0: All right, so welcome everybody to another episode of After Impact. Today we're going to be diving deep with Jason Silva and joining me on the mic, rocking the mic today, is Dr. Finesse, also known as Christopher McDonald. Agent wow. Smith is out sick today, yeah. uh, but we have the doctor in his place. So here we go. All right. All right. What, what, what do you have for us, Dr. So Tom, Finesse? I'm
1: going to start with the quote from the episode. All right. Art is the lie that reveals the truth. Um, I guess talk to me about what that means to you and also uh, about the larger mission of Impact Theory.
0: Oh, wow. So we're really, we're going, we're going hard right off the bat. Um, The art is, or art is the lie that reveals the truth. It's actually really interesting. It's something that um, Jason talks about a lot. And it, you know, when you go back and really look at how long humans have been creating art, painting on cave dwellings, Um, you know, all the way up through modern art. It really is our attempt to externalize the internal experience that we have. And filmmaking to me is sort of the ultimate um, version of that. But I think every art, you know, from all the different impressionistic and abstract and, um, you know, modern variations of painting and things like that, you you really are able to say something about the object that you're looking at. And, mm. um, you know, whether the object that you're looking at is a romance, like in a movie, or it's a bowl of fruit or a clock like Dolly, you know, so famously painted, you're you're able to to comment on it. And I think that's really um, art's great ability is to externalize the internal. So it's a lie, I guess, in the sense that it, it, is, it is not objective. And mm-hmm. that if you were using any sort of objective measuring device, you know, you're not going to get um, some of the things that you see in the subjective um, artistic world. But it really does tell you that emotional flavor. So um, I, I think that's art's Art's ability is to communicate that you're not alone. To take these really deep um, things that you know we all experience and think that nobody else has felt like that, and externalize it. And I remember my mom actually when when I first realized that I was in love with Lisa, and my mom said, "You know, the the most intoxicating thing about love is feeling like there's no way anybody in the world has ever felt like you felt like you feel in that moment." That is true, right? That's yeah, that is very true. And so. My mom's statement, that is art to me, that her ability to cut to the truth of what it feels like to be in love. Like, I remember that, man. I'm looking at my (laughs) wife right now. I remember that. And that sense that, no, there's no way. No one has ever (laughs) felt like that. It's not possible. Like, how do things get done if people feel (laughs) like this? And uh, that's art's ability. Art's great ability is like my mom, uh, able to cut through all the clutter, all the noise and reveal some inner truth that that you thought only you had ever experienced and suddenly you realize you're not alone. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, and then you asked me to tie it back to to what we're doing here at Impact Theory. Correct. Um Impact Theory will only be fully revealed over time and I I am this is one of the great intoxicants for me in this company is knowing that we're laying the foundation for something grand and fundamentally paradigm shifting, um, that it's this multi phased approach that will begin to reveal itself to people. And no matter how many times we try to tell people what we're doing, and it's on the website right now, um, they're not really going to understand until the paradigm shift is, is happening. Um, and, being able to really look at the drivers of culture, which to me is mythology, that's the fundamental driver of culture is mythology and that we've gotten so good as a society to create this wonderful mythology from a toy story to Star Wars to all this stuff going on, certainly in comic books, novels, everything like we're really, really good. At, at creating the mythology, but we don't know how to internalize it. We don't know how to look at Iron Man and say, "I actually want to become Tony Stark." Mm-hmm. Right, and so that really is the the bridge that we want to gap. We want to the bridge that we want to gap. The gap that we want to bridge. <laughs> it's funny how some part of your brain knows that you like misspoke, uh-huh. even though like it it happens. Um, so that's the the gap that we want to bridge, and in in really looking at how you do that, to me, commerce is the great engine. Commerce is the thing that is going to allow us to to bridge that gap, and what does that look like? To me, it looks like really beginning to show people how to deconstruct mythology and how to apply it to entrepreneurship, because I think people right now really don't understand why we're focused on two things, which is mythology creation and entrepreneurship. Mm. And to me, the reason is that entrepreneurship does not mean owning a business. It means being able to look at an obstacle and figuring out how to overcome that in service of your goal. So if your goal is to be the best mom ever, awesome, but there's going to be so many obstacles, and in fact, that's more terrifying to me than actually running a business. Mm. Uh, I think it was Aristotle, Aristotle or Plato who said the only impossible job is being a parent. And um, it kids are like the butterfly effect, incarnate. Like who knows what weird comment on one day by some you know kid at school <laughs> or a teacher that says something kinder? In fact, just today, my wife was telling me um, a story from her childhood where this guy made this offhanded comment as a guy that she really liked. And he made this offhanded comment that she had like a really um, great back, right? Like she's playing sports or whatever, and he's like, oh, you have a really oh, like, great so
1: back. Oh, so he meant it in the
0: literal sense. Yeah, of like, B. like you have yeah. a, she has a, a, my wife has, she works like a demon, but she has like a really muscular back. Yes. And so he made some offhanded comment, which who knows what it even meant to him, but she's carried it, you know, all these years. And that's the the butterfly effect for me you know just like at, at its absolute finest so that raising kids to me is is way more terrifying than building a business but to bring it all back around like the the notion of what we're trying to do is really show people how execution is the name of the game and how mythology can help you in execution and that there was a time where this was incredibly true and um you know we're still telling those stories today and you know my my um obsession with joseph campbell and the power of myth it really goes into it i won't i won't belabor the point here but so that's what we're doing we're going to change society by changing mythology and showing people how to use it in execution
1: that's great um as far as jason jason silva what is it about his work that resonates with you
0: he's a poet you know and it's funny my wife was saying like um she's watching the episode and she was like i totally get why you really like this guy because i to me he's just he's a modern philosopher poet and he's looking at the deepest ideas that we face as um, as a you know a species, literally, and saying I'm going to deconstruct this and make this accessible to people. And he said a lot like, don't judge the things that I say like you would an academic. I'm not an academic. I'm, I am a poet. I'm an artist. Mm. Um, and to me, artistry is the thing that is so often missing from what scientists are doing that would make it accessible. Artists, what they do is they make you feel something, right? To your um, the the first quote that you started with, artists make you feel something about the subject matter. That you're diving into. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're approaching this from mythology. Mythology really did the same thing, right? Mythology is meant to use narrative to reveal some underlying truth about how you should behave, what the world is like, um, what it's like to be at the mercy of nature, you know, all the things that um, that mythology was meant to tackle and it makes it accessible. It makes it like our minds are just wired for narrative Mm. and to fail to understand that. And that's why it makes me laugh when people um, are so surprised by the rise of um, social media, social media is a way for us to construct a narrative to, to really frame our life, to say who we either are, who we want to be. um, And, like, don't ever be surprised that people mythologize their own lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to, you have to make it, you have to be able to encapsulate your experience and transmit it. And so that's what Jason is able to do. He's able to encapsulate these big ideas and transmit them.
1: Wow. Okay, well, in the episode, you and Jason discuss how important it is to make people feel something uh, when you're presenting an idea. This comes down to understanding how to package your message and tell a story, a skill that must be developed in most people. Uh, what are some of the small things that, you know people can do to become better storytellers?
0: Everything comes down to practice. I mean that and oh god that's really cheap because I need to tell you what to practice and hopefully right now people are blowing up the comments saying that they're just not okay with that answer Um, so god what should you practice All right, understanding what details are critical that's important understanding what details are going to resonate emotionally with people Um, I think the most important part of a story is emotional resonance and unless you can tap into the universal um, and that's something Joseph Campbell talks very powerfully about in the power of myth is finding these elemental things these things that are so true of what it means to be a human, just understanding how we're going to process data. Um, and that was one of the most interesting things for me about film school is they begin to teach you about the physical way in which people interact with a film. So they talk mm-hmm. about the ear and how there's this muscle around the ear and as sounds get louder, that muscle actually tightens and it essentially turns down the volume on the ear. So if you want something to be like sustained loud, you have to understand that you have to like punctuate it with moments of silence or it won't be loud again. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that uh, is, has been Handled really, really powerfully in movies like Gravity, um, where you know they've got in the capsule, out of the capsule, or yeah. was it in the in the um, the helmet and then out of the helmet, mm-hmm. and so they're able to punctuate like absolute silence, which then makes your ear relax, so that you can then have a loud noise again. So understanding like those really fundamental, elemental things about the way that people are digesting your information—that's really, really important. So understanding neurology, the brain, all of that, just you know understanding humans. And then do it over and over and over. Tell the story, watch for the reaction. Tell the story, watch for the reaction. Refine, refine, refine. Refine, refine, refine. Okay, this question comes from
1: one of our impactivists. Nice. Um, Tom, does it worry you that virtual reality and ultimately singularity might result in the population re entering the matrix? But this time, one that would genuinely be controlled by machines and the people who design them. I find the upsides of virtual reality helping us work together to solve worldwide crisis so exciting. But to be honest, I'm somewhat sad at the idea that this beautiful and perfect reality wouldn't be enough for us ever again.
0: Man, so he and I really um, see things differently. So uh, rather than go off on my own tangent about how excited I am about that, let's just deal with the fundamental human truth. So here, technology is a one-way street, period. You're never going to be able to stop it. Now the question becomes why? Why are you never, ever, ever going to be able to stop technology? And the reason is technology is hope. And you may be able to hit reset points, like you may be able to um, blow everybody up, and you know now we go backwards, and but it'll just rebuild again, like. Technology is a hope for a better life. And so everything from fire to language to, you know, all the things that Jason's actually going to be exploring in his new show Origins, uh, which that is me plugging the shit out of that show for my boy. Uh, (laughs) I'm under no contractual obligation to do that. But uh, but yeah, just I'm so excited about that show. Um, So. Yeah, that is my wife is telling me to look at the cameras. It's totally fucking distracting me. <laughs> uh, so I have no idea where I was going with that. But I'm going to look you guys right in the eye while I say that I have no idea where I was headed with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what was the, where was I supposed to take us on that one? Well, he wanted to know if the ups, you know, there are, oh yeah, God, we're getting sucked back into the (laughs) matrix. Um, so my whole thing is that technology is a one way street. It's never going to go backwards minus catastrophe and even catastrophe will only reset and then we will, you know, keep going again. Um, so that to me is, is. You're never going to be able to crush out hope. You wouldn't want to. Stay optimistic. I think amazing things are going to happen. Like anything, it's going to be a mixed bag. It'll be a bumpy ride. It's not going to be like smooth sailing. It's going to be hard Mm. to get us there. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that that transcending our limits is part of the human spirit and wanting to get off the planet wanting to climb to the top of a mountain wanting to build societies it, that is one of the things that has led us to be the apex predators. so um, stuff like that I don't know I, I just don't struggle with that emotionally I, I don't have a problem with that I think that once we're um, dealing inside of um, a truly constructed reality which maybe we already are right but once we're in the next recursive um, version of the matrix if this is the matrix matrix then we'll create things that are even more interesting and more beautiful and and i'm sure there will also be suffering and you know i doubt that we'll ever be able to fully get rid of that but um since we don't really know what's going to happen, and I don't think we could stop it without something violent and destructive anyway, which is already the negative thing that you fear, so why would you bring that about? Um, without that, then, you know, just be optimistic and, and try to shape it. And that's my thing is, you know, as a sort of junior futurist, as I, as I referred to myself in the episode, try to bring that future into being that you think is great. But trying to stop the future from happening to me is a fool's errand.
1: Yeah, just to jump in, I completely agree. I and mean, we've seen it time and time again from people way back in the day who used to just use a pen to write. And suddenly this typewriter comes along. It's like, What's, what is this technology? I don't want to learn the typewriter. Then they're getting left behind because they didn't learn the type. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when the television came along and changed, propelled technology and prepared, propelled information coming your way and people didn't adapt to it and they didn't adapt to it. And same thing with the iPhone. It took me a while to get an iPhone. I was like, what is this? I don't need an iPhone. And <laughs> I got left behind. I was still on, I didn't even I didn't think I had a Blackberry. I think I had a Nokia flip phone. Wow. And I was still behind, and people were sending me photos that I couldn't get. Um, so, I mean, you just have to adapt or die when it comes to technology. That's. You know, I'm on the same page with you. Yeah,
0: so, yeah it's, it's yeah. fascinating to me how people resist. And the one example that I will give of myself is I resisted um, 3D animation and i refused to go see uh toy story and the reason what? was i i so i'll give you an idea <laughs> i so value the the ability to draw like it is mm. so amazing to me and so impressive and something i so desperately aspire to and wish that i had um some sort of natural gift so that it would be sort of high return for me to practice X. i'm not saying i couldn't get good at it i'm just saying it's not a high return thing for me cuz i don't have mm. sort of the natural skills um that i could build on um, I I love that so much. When I was nineteen, I said, and I didn't meet my wife till I was twenty-four. When I was nineteen, I said, I will either marry somebody who can draw or sing. Like that those two things are just so captivating to yeah. me. So to me um, 3D animation signaled the death of the ability to really draw. Now, obviously, I've since really come to understand how much artistry still remains in the 3D world. Now I'm totally obsessed with it. But that was the one sort of Luddite moment in my life where I was foolishly resisting the future. And now, like, seeing what they're able to do with 3D animation is so amazing. And I love it so much that it's like that That and halloumi cheese. <laughs> Remind me to tell that story someday. Toy Story and the beauty that is 3D animation and Halloumi Cheese have taught me two very powerful lessons about not uh, resisting, trying new things, not resisting change, like shape the change, right? The best way to predict the future is to create it. Mm. Shape the change rather than be afraid of it. And I actually have somebody that I used to be very, very, very close to. And this person literally was prepared to become a draconian leader. And if you know what draconian means, like to crush down all Mm -hmm. scientists because he was he is so afraid of the future. Like uh-huh. he's actually prepared to dedicate himself to that. Wow. That shit always struck me as like so crazy. It's like be raw. <laughs> Come on. Like so you're gonna like crush what it means to be human to spare us from what? The fact that we might do something destructive. So you'd rather usher that in? Like it's so so weird to me. Yeah, it's a little crazy. So I have a couple of
2: Facebook live questions. Yeah,
0: buddy. Um, so this
2: one comes from Michael. What triggers your flow state, and how do you stay in the zone for long
0: periods of time? Well, um, so the question: What triggers my flow state, and how do I stay in a state of flow for a long time? So, first of all, I want to remind everybody that if you share this, that you entered to win um, one of the books off my reading list, and I'm trying to make. Um, Agent Smith proud right now. He told me not to forget to (laughs) remind people about that. Uh so yeah, what gets me into a flow state? So for me, it's all about concentration, it's about deep work. I need um to find a way to tune out the distractions, and then especially, especially, especially if the stakes are high. So I'll give you an example. When I'm preparing for an episode of um impact theory, in fact, yesterday was a great example. So yesterday the guest was flying in, they ended up being really late, and so my day sort of drug out, and I never really had that moment of like, okay, they're coming. Coming now. And because I didn't have that time pressure, it like kept getting pushed back. I never actually got into flow with my research Mm -hmm. because there was, I didn't have the stakes of like, I'm running out of time. And there's something about having the high stakes moment, um, where, you know, you really have to get it done in crunch time. And actually, honestly, I think Sean White summed it up way better than, than I'm doing now, which is that you, you have practiced something so much, so much, so much. Um, the stakes are incredibly high and some part of you doesn't give a shit. Like that's when you really get into flow because when you're obsessed too much about the victory, about crushing it, whatever, that you stay in your own head. So you actually have to not give a shit a little mm, bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allows you to really slip into flow. But when I think about trying to get into flow for me, what I'm thinking about very specifically is deep work. So I put my headphones on. I'll put like film scores on. So there's no lyrics because I find that lyrics are. I didn't know that. I do the same thing. Really? Sort
1: of got I have a film score playlist on my phone.
0: B Rod, then we gotta share. Yeah, we gotta
1: share. Yeah. My man. All right. What's some
0: go-tos for you?
1: Oh man, anything by John Barry. Really? And I don't even think by. he's on my playlist. Really? Oh yeah. man he's fantastic. Somewhere in Time, uh uh the dances dances with wolves. Uh absolutely love that one. Wow. Uh and Han Zimmer. I mean you can't go wrong with okay, him I've got
0: I'm deep on the Han Zimmer. Yeah,
1: Rachel Portman, that's kind of uh hers is kind of romantic, but right. gets you in the zone. I mean, just anything you could think of.
0: Wow. Now, yeah. do you
1: specifically avoid lyrics? Uh, not all the time, but nine times out of ten, I put on a movie score. Nine times out of ten. And if I'm doing something athletic, I always, always go to Bill Conti. Rocky, always go to. Specifically, nice. go in the distance. Nice. I mean, I will play the hell out of a sporting event right. if I put that on first.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So, if I need to get amped up, uh-huh. I'm doing lyrics all day. Really? Lyrics are super critical to me. But if I'm trying to create then I, I need, I can't have the lyrics because my mind grabs onto words so powerfully oh. that I, I go down into whatever emotion they're trying to express, convey, whatever. Whereas when it's just the music, it tunes out all the distractions for me. I'm not thinking about um, anything else. Like I'm not, I don't hear anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, my world just like closes down. And for me, that, um, which I've heard, I actually have never done, um, what's that drug that makes you focus? Ooh, I wouldn't even know. What is it? Adderall. Adderall. So the millennial in the crowd's like Adderall, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. You want something? You want something? <laughs> um, so yeah, she I've never, I've it. never fucked with Adderall. Um, I did. Uh, oh God, what's the one that uh, keeps you awake? They gave it to fighter pilots. It's anti-narcolepsy. Ooh. We're totally derailing on drugs, but I think that Jason would really appreciate it. So let's like go <laughs> down this path. I've never done psilocybin, which is like his jam. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, God damn it, what is the name of that drug? It keep, it's an anti-narcoleptic. Anyway, I've done that. I that was actually amazing. When I traveled to the UK, if I can get my hands on it, uh-huh. like that's the the bee's knees. It doesn't um it doesn't like make you feel amped. You just aren't tired. Mm. And until you've experienced it, it's hard to explain that there's a difference between Um, Like the sort of jittery caffeine thing and then just not being tired. It is the absence of Mm. sleepiness. Hmm. Um, And so that's super powerful if you're traveling. And hopefully by the end of this, I will remember what it's called. Um, But yeah, I've never done Adderall. But when people do Adderall, they say that like your world, your focus just becomes like laser. Like you can literally feel your world sort of closing in. That's how I feel when I put headphones on. I love over-the-ear headphones. Like, love, love, love mm-hmm. over-the-ear headphones. In fact, so originally when we were doing the show, I had headphones like my man, um, Dr. Finesse here. And it just wasn't getting me, like, in the vibe. So I, we had to find a way for me to be able to use these. You had to go with the both. Yeah, yeah, I had to. Mm-hmm. Like, get them over ear. Um, so, yeah, music, no lyrics. Deep work where I know that I've got something intense to focus on. Hopefully there's some stakes. That's how I stay in it, um, but I do pop out. Like, there's no question. I wouldn't say that I get into flow for maybe more than like 45 minutes at a time. Mm. Like more than that's tough. If I'm writing though, and there have been times. Oh God, hey, fun story. And by the way, if people are like, "Dude, we got it," then I'll move on. But like, this is interesting to me. So there was one time I was um, I worked as a full time writer at one point in my life, mm-hmm. and um, I was writing the story that was set when it was raining so in the story it's raining okay now this i had blackout curtains so but like photographic blackout curtains so there was absolutely no light in the room other than from the computer okay i was writing in the middle of the day and i had i'd been writing for like eight hours or whatever i walked out of the room opened the door and like bright sunlight everywhere it was so disjoining because in my head it had been raining for the last eight hours it was gray it was dreary it was cold raining and when i came out i realized oh my god that was all make-believe <laughs> so there there are times where if I'm writing, I can get into a prolonged wow. zone. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein, And my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. All right. All right. Word. So there's another question
2: from John Smith. He says, we love the interview, so thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, the book about our school system and the lack of artistry. How do you think we can change that in schools now?
0: So uh, the question is, the book *Lynchpin*, which is by Seth Godin, an amazing book, um, talks about how there's a lack of artistry in school and how do we address that. And I don't know that I have any good insights into education. Um, I think that there are some pretty profound people working on it. Um, I will simply say that if you can ignite somebody's imagination, if you can get them to really fall in love with what they're doing, um, then you've got a shot. And I think that what Elon Musk is pondering. I don't know how deep he is in it, but what he's pondering from an educational standpoint is pretty interesting, which is to gear it all around problem solving, um, which for me makes a lot of sense. Like I remember in math, I was really bad at math unless the teacher would make me go to the board and then I had to figure it out. Right. Cause she's not going to let me sit down. Like the fact that I don't know, it is very um, evident. And there's something fascinating in education where when you're learning something, a lot of times, some part of your brain thinks you understand it, but you really don't. So, you'll be sitting there taking notes, go, yeah, 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 totally got this, got it, got it, got it. And then you go to do it and you're like, holy shit, like there's some gap in here that I didn't actually realize that I had. And so, being at the board really forced me to, um, to, actually learn it. Um, so I think really showing kids how this stuff is going to be advantageous, how they're going to use it is really, really important. But what I don't understand is kids don't know what they want, right? Like 99 times out of hundred kids do not know what they want. They don't know what they're going to go on to do. What's going to really light them on fire. And so how you don't give everybody some sort of base I don't know and like i really thought math was a joke i thought it was stupid and then i became an entrepreneur and realized oh my god <laughs> like i use math all the time and like not understanding math now was holding me back and like really having to spend time like learning how to do things like um find the percent of something which i didn't know how to do because i cheated my way through high school and then in college i didn't have to take it so it's like you know, when people ask, like, what would you go back and tell your, you know, younger self? I would punch myself in the mouth and say, Fucking pay attention <laughs> in class. Like, actually learn this shit. You're going to use it. Yeah. Like, this stuff is actually usable unless you plan to be a cog in a machine somewhere. Like you, like, knowledge is power, man. Like, really acquire this stuff. So, long story short, I have no good answers. I'm not the person to ask that question to. But thank you. Nonetheless, it was fun to answer.
1: All right. So uh, how do you sustain
0: inspiration, particularly during the banality of building a business? Oh, God, I want to like eat the mic as I answer this question. All right. (laughs) So this, this I'm a fucking expert on. I will tell you this right now. Everybody at home, whatever you're doing, if you're driving a car, I want you to stop, pull over. I want you to take notes on this shit. All right. Your brain is a runaway machine. It is not going to pay attention to you. It is going to flit and flirt and fly all around the place. And your job is to sit down and do deep work and really get good at things. And... The way to do that is to learn neuroanatomy, to understand how the brain works, to understand that it bounces around, but most importantly, to understand that things like attention can be crafted. Now, I'm going to liken this to love because I think it's something that most people are going to be able to understand. Here is the truth about love. Here is the truth about learning. Here is the truth about getting good at anything, grabbing hold of your brain, whatever the case may be. It will never happen by accident. You're not going to stay in love forever. Forever. Love is not something that is a perpetual motion machine. It doesn't just stay and continue. You have to decide what you're going to focus on. So with love, for instance, with my wife, I knew even before I met her that love is a a chemical state. That's it. It's, It's certain brain chemistry happening in your brain. And just like a fire will eventually burn itself out no matter how big, no matter how bright, no matter how much wood there is on the fire, ultimately it will burn out unless you do what? Put more yeah. wood on the fucking fire, yes. right? Like go chop down a tree, cut it up, put it on the fire. You can keep it going forever, right? There's nothing that says that that fire can't last forever. It's just an unattended fire can't last forever. So you have to learn how to maintain your brain chemistry. You have mm. to learn how to maintain your focus. You have to learn how to get excited about something. So how do I stay passionate? How do I stay enthusiastic? How do I stay excited about something? I understand that like right now I am actually practicing being excited. I know that the way moving my arms, right? For people that are just listening, I, my arms are up. Yes. All right. My arms are up because I know that the way that you change your physicality changes your brain chemistry that I know when I do this, like if you see me do this, I am like riding a wave of what's happening, like the passion, the energy, like even the way that like I'm bouncing myself, I'm doing all of this stuff because I practice it time and time again. The fact that I start talking faster, I force myself to do that. I force myself to do that. And I want people to understand that's how you start getting good at this stuff is you understand, like people want the beautiful things in their life, like passion, Mm -hmm. love. They want it to be natural. They want it to be automatic and they will all fail because the human mind does not work like that. The human mind, neurons that fire together, wire together. So you have to force some sort of correlation you have to force these things together. You've got to practice them. You've got to put them on a loop so that if I wanna get excited now, because I've done it so many times where when I feel like that first like thread of excitement, I fucking pull and pull and pull and I do all the things that I need to do to reinforce it, to amp it up, to get it going so that I change my posture. And now just changing my posture will change the way that I feel. In fact, if I start like, oh God, this has happened sometimes, where I'll be sitting um, with a guest, I'll be doing an interview, and for whatever reason, I'm just fucking low energy. And I know I'm bringing the show down. Mm. Now, I know it's because for whatever reason, my brain is going slowly but I know how to reverse speed up my brain. Normally you start talking fast because your brain is going fast, but I know that the reverse will work as well. And if I start talking fast, my brain will speed up. Mm. So I'll literally, I'll be sitting there and I know, like, and I use this technique a lot. My wife is not impressed with me right now, okay? And I, everything, everything I do in life, everything is a ruse to impress my wife. That's it. If you want to know why I exist, I exist because I love the neurochemistry of impressing my wife so much like the world could fucking hate me. But if she looks at me with that look like, you know, the look, right? If she looks at me with that look like nothing else matters. And so I've just had to learn like to capture all these things so that I can get good. So when I have that moment where I'm thinking my wife is not impressed right now, I force myself to reverse engineer the things that will get me into that brain state. I hope you all took notes. That's one of the secrets of the universe.
1: I take some notes in my head. I'm learning something. i type tell you. And I've now gotten so
0: amped up, like, I have to take my sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just
1: in time for Valentine's Day, I'm going to come back. Yeah, buddy. Come back to my wife and be extra romantic with some of those Hell words. Yeah. Man. Um, okay, so here's another quote. To fully and vividly live in the present is to also be acquainted with the fact that it is expiring as we live through it. How do you relate to this?
0: You know, it's interesting. That's something that really like haunts Jason. And um, I, I think that what makes him so great is he so fears the fleeting and... I love that about him, and, and I really think that that essentially is the foundation to all of his art. And we actually talk about that in the episode that you know his um, his existential dread over the impermanence of everything um, is is all tied to that. I don't have that same fear. Like I so fully get that everything that we do is fleeting. That um, I'm so excited about whatever's coming next, and I so understand how to recreate the feeling. That um, while that moment may pass, that in fact, I'll, I'll say it another way, thank God everything is fleeting. Thank God. the, the um, So I've studied Buddhism while I do not consider myself a Buddhist uh, by any means, and, and I'm sure there are many people that could slap me around with knowledge of Buddhism, but there's one line that always stuck with me, and it is my most cherished belief from everything that I've ever encountered with Buddhism, and that is, this too shall pass. Mm, mm. This too shall pass. I live by that. Right? And so here's why I will never commit suicide, ever. I I just so know that that concept is so foreign to me because of two things. One, I know how to manipulate my brain chemistry and that I know that even like, like true mental illness depression can be unwound. Not easily. I'm not saying it's easy. Okay? But as somebody who has struggled very profoundly with anxiety, I can tell you this shit is unwindable. So you can unwind it. You can rewire your brain literally. Um, so one, I know that brain chemistry is manipulatable, that the brain is malleable, that you can change it. Um, and then two, this too shall pass. Like whatever thing is dragging you down, and I'll speak for myself, whatever thing is dragging me down, I just tell myself, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Like, and sometimes it does not pass quickly, right? It can be months. Maybe yeah. it's a year, but it is going to pass especially if you're doing all the things that you need to to unwind that mental pattern, right? And I I struggled with anxiety and and still do quite frankly, but not like I used to. Mm. And so unwinding that was a multi-year process. So when I say this too shall pass, I'm not saying that it happens like in an instant, but I'm saying that if you put in the work, you know, it's going to pass. And the intensity of emotions like those those pass. Heartbreak, death, like it all it all passes. So because I have that like Um, I'm grateful that Jason sees it a different way because Mm -hmm. he's created such beauty out of that fear of transience. Mm -hmm. Um, But fuck, man, I I am grateful for it. I am grateful that anguish doesn't last. And if what I have to accept is that beauty and joy also dissipate so that I know that anguish could never grip me forever, dude, I'm okay with that.
1: Why do you think anxiety and depression is you so prevalent today. And I mean, and this goes again... Dude, that,
0: that's like you want to talk about a question aimed at why impact theory exists. That's the one. Um, so just, uh, as a quick reminder, and thank you Cindy for that. Um, everybody, this is after impact. We're going deep on the Jason Silva episode. And by the way, if you share this, you enter yourself to win one of the books off my reading list. So please guys share this. It's going to help us build this community, uh, which is our everything. Um, okay. So the question, why do I think that depression and anxiety is so prevalent? Um, I think there are a lot of factors that I don't understand. And so please that the answer that I'm about to give, understand, I am well aware that this is very, a very, very partial answer. Um, but this comes down to the modern context that we're living is sort of always on, always active, somebody like myself who who actually enjoys that fact, but understands there's now something that you have to combat, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, the, the levels of stress, the levels of um, when you're striving for something, the inevitable comparisons, the focusing on things that you don't have, really mm-hmm. driving yourself to achieve. You know, we live in this hyper-connected society where there's so many people, so there's so many tales of grandiosity and you know normally we're only in groups of 150 people and in a group of 150 people you can probably more easily find a place to deliver value because it's a much smaller group and so there's much uh, fewer people to compete against and as this gets bigger and bigger and we're always on and always pushing and it's never enough and keeping up with joneses and all that and we don't understand and this is the key we don't understand that our brain is wiring itself with all the things that we focus on So if we spend all of our time with what we lack, and we spend all of our time with how we don't measure up, and we spend all of our time feeling judged by people, and that's what we focus on, that's what your brain's gonna wire for. And you, you are literally hardwiring yourself for anxiety, for depression. Okay, it is, it is a state of wiring. So you have to really, really be careful. And I think I've talked aggressively about how I use the chip on my shoulder, how I use um, not feeling adequate to propel me forward, But I also really, really hope people hear that I am so aware that I get what I focus on that I spend, and we'll tie it to the 80 20 rule that 80% of my time I'm focused on what's beautiful, what I'm grateful for, what's empowering, joy, love, um, all the amazing things. And then only 20% of my time using that stuff to kick me in the ass to, you know, the negative stuff to propel me forward. So I'm very, very careful about what I focus on.
1: All right. Um, this kind of goes along uh, anxiety and depression, I believe. Uh, Jason talks about having a fire in your belly, which you have also referred to as a sickness. Um, for people who don't wake up every day with this feeling, um,
0: how do they harness that fire? You got to create it, man. Like you you have to create it. So for instance, when I can feel that my brain is slowing down and I'm not making quick connections and I just feel um, like a chump, what most people do, is they start panicking and they start thinking, oh my God, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, maybe I really am a chump. Maybe I'm not good at this. Like, oh my God, what if this has all been self-delusion? And they just spin out of control. I do something very different, which is when I can feel that my brain is mush and that little voice in my head goes, this, this has all been a lie. You're actually not good at this. Like you're really um, slow. You've always been a little dim-witted. That's when I go yeah, well, that would be stupid to listen to that. I know if I start talking faster right now that my brain will actually speed up to catch up. Ah, here we go. (laughs) And now the mere act of doing that, like you start pumping different chemicals in your brain or if I'm just like cortisol is coursing through me and I'm feeling my anxiety rise, Mm -hmm. I'll start breathing, meditating, right? I, In fact, I'll just put a really fine point on this. I have learned to use my physicality to manipulate my brain chemistry. And that is that has been an obsessive study of mine now for ten years or more. I'm gonna have to look into that. I do it and yeah. every answer you're looking for is there. Vim Hof is somebody that I really, really uh-huh. want to get on the show. I was doing some research on him this morning. Dude, that guy is crazy, crazy. And I remember the Iceman, first... right? Yeah, the okay. Iceman. When I first learned about him, honestly I thought, nope, there's no way there's no way like this is total bullshit like this is some one-off thing and like uh, i just i couldn't believe he's been studied now like six ways a sunday where they injected him with some virus and they can actually watch him um, alter his immune system it's just crazy it's crazy so basically what he's learned how to do is get control of his autonomic nervous system it's wow it's uh, amazing so you know Human potential is is ridiculous. Mm. None of us are anywhere near the outer edges of it. So, okay.
1: Well, Jason says he's trying to flag us down. Oh,
0: okay. sorry, Cindy. Jump right in.
2: So this one comes from Danbro Fitness.
0: Danbro, uh, what's up, dude?
2: So first, we'll start with what did you learn from Jason Silva? So your biggest takeaway from the episode, and then the second question would be reflecting back on your studying the brain over these years. Where would you begin?
0: or like recommend someone to begin um okay so uh, let me just remind myself that i have two questions what did i learn from jason and then where to begin with the brain okay i'm gonna practice holding those two things um so what have i learned from jason so this concept of ecstasis um of really holding on to that really being able to cultivate that and quite frankly turn it into art and if i can sort of lump two things together using your sickness to create something beautiful so jason's sickness is that he is so afraid of the um, the ephemeral nature of joy, of beauty, of a shared moment with somebody that he he creates things to for himself to be able to hold on to them, for them to last longer. And out of that has been born Jason Silva, right? And and I love that about him so much. And while I've always used my sickness to drive me towards success, I haven't necessarily used it to drive me towards creating something of beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is really, really interesting, especially as we step into the phase that we're stepping into now, where storytelling is going to be a big thing for us to really, to create literal art, um, is going to be a big thing for us. Um, that, that's a really important reminder that you can really funnel, um, those emotions into something truly, truly wonderful. Um, where to begin with the brain. Um, wow. Wow. So my book list, which is 25 books long, not all of them deal directly with the brain, but some of them deal certainly indirectly. If I had to like say what book, I would start with Incognito uh, by David Eagleman. That's a great place to start for like real neuroanatomy. And then anybody who's in a relationship, uh, if you're female or in a relationship with a woman of any kind, your mother, wife, sister, so basically everybody, there's a book called The Female Brain. I knew my wife would look up. You all saw me pause, right, and look? Because I knew my wife was going to look up. And I turned and looked, too. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. My <laughs> wife is obsessed with this book. Um, it, it, is, it is amazing, and it's all about the neuroanatomy of the female brain and how it changes. It's just so, so, so incredible. Um, but, yeah, so those two books are just straight neuroanatomy, great places to start. Cindy, did you have a... All right, while we wait to see what Cindy has for us, I will say share this bad boy uh, and enter to win a one of the 25 books on my list. In fact, we could get you um, incognito. The female brain isn't on my list. That's the one hard thing about cramming things down into 25 books. Like, it's tough. Like, there are just, there are a hundred other books, easily, yeah. easily a hundred other books that are just Game Changers, totally, totally amazing right. that aren't on my list. So please don't think that that is like some definitive list. But they are the the first 25 books you should read in order, by the way. I put them in order just to make it really nice and easy. Um, it can be read out of order, of course, and I didn't read them in that order. But that's my best um, attempt at optimizing those things for you guys. I don't talk. So, what kind of talk down do I use to lower my anxiety? I don't talk. Breathing is the key to anxiety. Breathing, breathing, breathing. Like, you have to trigger. So, let's talk about like, people, you you really, really, really need to start at, at a physical level because anxiety is a physiological response. Um, Something I had never talked publicly about before until like a week ago, um, is how being cold makes me feel anxious, and that's why I hate being cold so much, because the, the physiological response of being cold is identical uh, to the physiological response that I get with anxiety. So like this slight shivery, this um, unrooted sense. I don't know. I, I don't feel like rooted. Yeah, I don't feel grounded. I don't know mm. how else to explain it. So being cold gives me that same fucking feeling. So literally, whether you make me cold or you actually trigger like some fear-based, anxious response, I feel the same. So, um, that's why I'm, I like bundle up to death because I don't want to get in like an anxiety loop. Um, so, but I'm actually now I'm, I'm, I started practicing it in New York to actually force myself to be cold and remind my brain to separate. And in fact, this is something that Jason talked about in the episode. He said, you know, I get into these anxiety loops and then I just realize, oh, I just need to pee and that he's mistaking (laughs) one physiological response for another. And that, that, so once you under, what's that? Yes, yes. That's very true. Mel Robbins, Cindy was Mm -hmm. pointing out, Mel Robbins, we got to get you a fucking mic while we're doing this because you got great nuggets. Um, (laughs) So Mel Robbins said the same thing. Um, Jason was talking about the same thing. Like you, you begin to mistake one physiological response for another. Now I bring all of that up because all of this to me starts with understanding how to go the other way right so if your brain hijacks your physiology you can use your physiology to take back over your brain this is so critical like if you want to know one of the things that i've just used to propel myself forward it's that it's understanding things like um, laughing out loud which i my wife and i have used in our relationships so powerfully um using uh physiology speaking fast taking up more space to get enthusiastic to stay excited um So when I'm feeling anxious, I I understand what's going on on a physiological level. So you have two different parts of your nervous system. You've got the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight, flight, or freeze, fight, flight, or freeze. And then you have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is known as rest and digest. So mm-hmm. you're, you're always fluctuating between these two modes. So if you find that one is going too far um, and the other needs to kick in, like when my brain is going slow, I'm way too far in rest and digest. I need to kick myself in to fight. Mm-hmm. I need to amp myself up. So I do things to my physiology to get my brain to speed up. Um, so if I feel that I'm going into an anxiety loop, I know that I need to trigger the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. And the way to do that, and I... I dude, it's times like these that I wish I were religious because I want to thank somebody for having such an amazing trigger. Simply doing breath control, it, it's so weird. Like It works every time. It doesn't work sometimes. It works every fucking time. Mm. So learning how to, um, that which is why I got into meditation, by the way, um, learning how to meditate to use your breath control to eliminate anxiety has just been incredibly, incredibly powerful.
1: I've taken up. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've taken up box breathing ever since uh, you told me yeah, about my it. boy Mark Divine. T- yeah, about a month ago. So I've been practicing box breathing, and it's kind of worked here and there. I mean, I, it's something you've got to learn eventually, you know, um, and I suggest that to, to everyone out there. Box breathing is definitely key. So I thank you for that tip.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's you can true. look up Mark Divine. Mark Devine will teach you all about box yes. breathing.
1: Uh, Jason says he has an aversion to believing in magic. But still lives as if he believes in magic. It's paradoxical. Why do you have to be able to hold two competing ideas in your head in order to be successful?
0: Yeah, man, this is oh god, this isn't. This is like uh, graduate level shit right here. This is this is your (laughs) doctoral thesis. Um, Being able to hold two ideas in your head is one of the most important things I think um, in the recipe for success. Uh, You have to be. I'll, I'll give you one that I hold all the time, Tom. You're good enough. Tom, you're not good enough, dude. I hold those in my head all the time. Um, and, and I'm sure this frustrates you guys to no end. Like people will come with the most amazing news. We had another clip go viral. What's up, Mel Robinson? Uh, just broke 2 million on that. We obviously the Simon Neck one was just unbelievable. We did over 150 million views. So we are now officially the viral video Kings of this genre. <laughs> like, for real, though, right? I mean, we've had some clips, like, oh, yeah. do some real business, um, which is amazing, and obviously we're just incredibly honored by the guests that come on and share this stuff. We are well aware that it is the guests that are going viral, um, and we see it as our job to create the environment for them to bring that to the table, which is why it's not happening for anybody else because we just create a totally unique environment. That's like a, an ad for us. Uh, so that's one for Jason, one for us. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, being able to... Create that um, environment where, where this guy, oh man I really thought I could fucking vamp for a second and catch back where I was uh, but instead of dragging people down and having to cut this out, where were we headed? Basically, I'm sorry Two ideas, two ideas yes, yeah, yeah, yeah Two competing ideas <laughs> I really tried to bring <laughs> that shit back around um, so yeah, holding to competing ideas, it, it really is the, the thing that you need to do. So the, you're good enough. You're not good enough. They bring me the stuff. We just, you know, went viral again. It was amazing. And now I'm just thinking, okay, what's that next thing, right? Like it's not enough. Now I'm back to, okay, well then the goal that we set for ourselves cause we had the, an ecosystem wide goal to, at the end of 2017 to be at hundred thousand across the ecosystem mm-hmm. and we're growing so fast now, that's just not enough. Mm -hmm. so what people have to understand is i'm not saying like hey you guys have fucked up i'm just saying that you've you've got to know when to go back and forth between these two so now it's like hey by saying like we're we're not good enough like we did this and and we all came over here and we celebrated and we're like oh my god like we're amazing we're the viral video kings this is awesome like we're crushing it we're growing so much faster now i know we have to shift back over here Mm -hmm. and now we've got to focus on we're not good enough Right. Because if we don't do that, then we're not going to hit my real goal, which is five hundred thousand by the end of the year. Right. (laughs) So and now everybody's panicking again. So but that's like that's you have to do that give and take. Right. Because otherwise people get comfortable. And I think comfort is the death of success. Like you never be successful if you get comfortable. So and that's just one example. I mean, there's just so many more. Okay. Yeah. Break it down.
2: of storytelling to inspire ourselves and others so effectively does that mean you disagree with leaders like Eckhart Tolle who say that all mental stories
1: reinforce the false ego
0: yeah yeah I'm afraid I do and is it Eckhart Tolle or Eckhart Tolle can somebody please I, I need a definitive I answer Thought it was Tolly. I thought it was Tolley. but, I, but I don't know wait. Oh, man, I, and the thing is, I can't, I can't double down. Yeah. So if somebody, if somebody who knows definitively wants to throw that into the comments, I would be forever grateful. Um, so I do disagree with that. And um, I disagree with people that sneer at um, narrative. Totally. All right. So Eckhart Tolle. Um, I've seen people that I consider just insanely intelligent sneer at um, narrative um, and, and make it sound like you're making shit up. And it's, that is how the human mind works. Like the human mind needs narrative to make sense of things. And when you can take an abstract concept and give it to people in the form of a narrative, like the human brain over hundreds of thousands, millions of years, depending on how you want to look at it, has been evolving to where we are now. And what it has optimized for is narrative. Simple as. Now you can sit there and fight it. It's like people that say, well, um, I'll fake it till you make it is bullshit no, like that's, (laughs) that's how confidence works. Like that is literally the, the feedback loop that your brain is in. So I'll give you an example. And then somebody will help me, um, get back on track with, do I disagree with Eckhart Tolle and narrative being a lie? Um, that this, if you guys have read outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about how kids that are the oldest in their class end up becoming professional athletes like disproportionately more than kids who are the youngest in their class. Why? Because there is a narrative being told to them accidentally Mm -hmm. through their actions that they're better than other people. But the truth is, is it's not real. Mm -hmm. They're just bigger and stronger because they're older. So they may not have any natural gifts, but merely by putting them, it's kind of like what Rocky Three, where he keeps getting the fake easy fights. And <laughs> yes, it is. So Rocky he's III. he's winning the no, it's it's three is it one. Mm-hmm. My wife just shamed herself on national television, mm-hmm. and then Clever Lang uh, beats him when it comes to reality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it. That's what's happening, but these kids build so much confidence that they just continue to excel, and because they have confidence, they get better coaches, and then they do better because they have better coaches and more confidence. But it all started with bullshit. It all started with they just happened to be the oldest in their class, and so they were by the realities of how we develop as human beings. They were a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little more emotionally um, intelligent, and, and so they did better, but it was purely relative. Mm-hmm. It's you know, the Kluber Lang effect. Mm-hmm. So is that fake? To me, it has a real outcome. So if it has a real outcome, that shit is real. And so narrative to me is how humans have communicated over millennia. Um, It's how we transmit religion. It's how we transmit ideology. It's how we tell our kids what to do, what not to do. Like, it's all narrative. And now I will tell you the real fucking secret. Learn to tell yourself a story about yourself that's empowering. And, and I'll just say, and I am so fully expecting the DA is going to play this in court one day. I'm going to get sued for something stupid. And the DA is going to say, but Tom, you have said repeatedly that it's okay to lie to yourself. Yes, it's okay to lie to yourself. 100%. Like, if you yeah. get a positive result out of that, like, of course. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense. And, and um, everybody does it. The scary thing is, like, everybody lies to themselves. I'll fucking take the Pepsi challenge with anybody who says they don't <laughs> lie to themselves. But you ready? you all lie to the negative. You all tell yourself you're worse than you are. That's fucking crazy to me. Like, that's so crazy. Why would you do that? Like, unless you're doing it, like, is the 20% like quick little hit of, okay, I'm not good enough. And so, you know, now I'm going to bounce back and like be a bigger badass. But okay, when you're doing it because it gives you the result you want, like I'm in. But most motherfuckers just lie to themselves and tear themselves down and become less of who they could be because I don't know, they want to err on the side. Like they want to be more true than true. And so it's like, Oh, it gets so crazy. Yeah, I, so, I don't
1: understand why we do
0: that to ourselves. I I, I don't get it because I'm guilty of it for sure. Everyone is. Hmm. It, it is. It's madness. It's madness and no one will argue that that's bad. Like no one, oh yeah, yeah. Like rounding down, everybody's chill with that, right? Like let's say you're a woman and really you're a seven and a half. Like... Everyone is cool with you rounding down to a seven, but people are going to hate if you round up to an eight. Yeah. Baby girl, yeah. you're an eight. <laughs> like fucking, you're, in, you're a 10. Like round that shit up. Yeah. Like whatever yeah. is going to empower you, yeah. like that's what you've got to be doing. Just simple as. Simple as. Results. Results. That's great. Check your beliefs against your results. Forget your behavior. Check your beliefs. Your beliefs. You
1: asked Jason, what do you see when you peer inside the singularity? Yeah. Now, why don't you answer that yourself?
0: What do I? Okay, so let's start with defining the singularity. So first of all, thank you guys so much for joining us. This is After Impact. We're going deep on Jason Silva, touching on some of the things. Maybe we skimmed across the surface in the episode. We're going to go deep, 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 uh, really talk um, and take your feedback. We want to know what you guys think, Uh, get some questions from you guys. And if you share this right now before I answer this amazing question about what the singularity is and what you're going to see when you peer into that you're going to enter to a chance to win uh, one of the books on my reading list. So get up on it. Grab it like you want it. Uh, A little throwback there. Dr. Finesse knows what's up. Um, Okay, so first of all, the singularity is a term borrowed from physics, and it refers to the event horizon of a black hole where you cross over it, and the rules of physics are so warped and distorted and so little understood that we can't predict what happens on the inside of a black hole. Okay, so... um, Applied in the, as Jason said, the Silicon Valley vernacular, what the singularity refers to is the moment where um, technology is advancing so rapidly that we can no longer predict what it will look like. So um, the uh, Ray Kurzweil, who's the guy that really um, co-opted the term for technology, uh, believes in 2045, we will hit the moment of singularity. The reason he believes that is because of Moore's Law, which hopefully you guys know uh, what Moore's Law is. And basically, that's that computing power will double in um, speed and have in cost every 18 months. Um, and that's been happening for a very, very long time. And we've gone through these, um, epics of, um, things changing, uh, where it was like vacuum tubes at one point. Now we're on transistors and people believe, you know, what's going to be the next thing. Is it going to be quantum computing, whatever, but people believe it will, that Moore's law will stay true. Um, and it stayed true through world wars and all kinds of stuff. So I'm sure it long will continue. Um, so According to Ray Kurzweil in 2045, we hit that point where now technology is just, it's, it's advancing so rapidly that you, you can't possibly predict. And what I think is on the inside of that is the matrix um, I think that's where truly um, we're, we become digital beings I, I don't think it's a matrix in the sense that our biological bodies are harvested uh, for energy um, which almost certainly will not happen in fact we will probably become entirely digital beings and and just won't have a physical body and I think we'll uh, it won't be binary it's not going to be like today we're like this and tomorrow we're digital beings you know it's going to be this slow process that everyone will opt into it's actually not true and if you've read Fahrenheit 451 it's gonna be like that uh, where there's you know two groups of people there's people like out fucking living in the middle of nowhere trying to be Luddites forever Um, and so fine they'll eventually um, in fact what will happen to them I don't know like maybe they could maybe they can be Luddites on Mars and maybe that becomes what the colonies are um, is people that can really divorce themselves from technology this stuff is so interesting like I am trying to remember that right now my wife wants to punch herself in the throat just to not have to hear (laughs) this anymore Uh, but God, I could talk about this all day. So the factions that are going to happen, that's so intriguing. Um, But I think that what will happen, we'll become digital. We'll be living in the matrix. Um, We will create amazing, wonderful worlds that are just incredibly, incredibly interesting. But to make sure that people can't sleep tonight, I will also say that someone will figure out um, how to create a, a torture chamber where people no longer adjust to the level of pain. And imagine that first moment of pain But the one thing we know as humans is it will dissipate, right? Humans can acclimate to anything. Mm -hmm. Imagine you couldn't. Oh, shit. But you got to focus on the optimistic stuff. You got to (laughs) think of all the good things. But have fun sleeping tonight. Uh, But yeah, that it will be amazing. It will be amazing. We'll have experiences like anything we can imagine. All right. Rate and review. Oh, God. Which, by the way, first of all, just thank you to the community. We've got how many reviews now? Got 75 reviews. We're five stars. So grateful for that. But if you go to iTunes um, right now, iTunes is our big push. Uh, if you could go there, rate and review us, we'd be eternally, eternally grateful. We're trying to get to 100; only need 25 more, uh, so that would be amazing. You know me; as soon as we get to about 90, I'm already thinking like 250. But <laughs> for right now, help us get to 100; that would be fantastic. Um, also, you'll notice we're not doing Instagram Live uh, during this anymore because we found a new format for Instagram Lives, which is a lot of fun. I hope you guys will join me over on IG. If you're not already following me on IG, it's at Tom Bilyeu. Um, Get over there, turn on notifications as the one and the only Cindy has uh, pointed out. And we're doing hyper intimate, um, answering your questions one by one. Uh, so yeah, it, it we tried one the other day. It was awesome. It was our best IG live ever. Uh, it was really, really a lot of fun. All right. So I don't know how much time we have, but I, th- I have a hard stop today. Um, so we're going to have to take one more and then we'll... One uh, One minute. Yeah. Okay, well then we'll say our goodbyes. Dr. Finesse, thank you so much for joining us. And everybody, yes, everybody watching, please know this man, this is the guy that gets us these amazing guests. He is unbelievable. He is proof that your network is everything. Long-term relationships are all that matters. He's been dealing with a lot of these people for a very, very long time. He's just been an amazing human being. Uh, So honored to have him on the team. Really grateful that you filled in today for uh, our boy, Agent Smith, who is unfortunately out sick. And guys out in the community, you are our everything. And all that we're doing, we're doing because we want to bring value to you guys. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for helping spread the word. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends.